0: Reformed and Evangelical, Confessional and Missional. Welcome to Creeds and Deeds. Hear the Word of the Lord from Psalm 109, verses 26 through 31. Help me, O Lord, my God, save me according to your steadfast love. Let them know that this is your hand. Oh you, O Lord, have done it. Let them curse, but you will bless. They arise and are put to shame, but your servant will be glad. May my accusers be clothed with dishonour. May they be wrapped in their own shame, as in a cloak with my mouth. I will give great thanks to the Lord. I will praise him in the midst of the throng, for he stands at the right hand of the needy one, to save him from those who condemn his soul to death. This is the word of our Lord. Westminster Shorter Catechism, questions 63 through 66. Question 63. Which is the fifth commandment? Answer. The fifth commandment is, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. Question 64. What is required in the fifth commandment? Answer. The fifth commandment requires the preserving of the honor and performing the duties belonging to everyone in their several places and relations as superiors, inferiors, or equals. Question 65. What is forbidden in the fifth commandment? Answer. The fifth commandment forbids the neglecting of or doing anything against the honor and duty which belongs to everyone in their several places and relations. Question 66. What is the reason annexed to the fifth commandment? Answer. The reason annexed to the fifth commandment is a promise of long life and prosperity, as far as it shall serve for God's glory and their own good to all such as keep this commandment. And scripture proof for all of this is Ephesians 6 verses 2 and 3. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Missionary Monday Peter Martyr Vermili. The Phoenix of Florence, written by Chris Castaldo. From childhood, Peter Martyr Vermili desired to teach God's word. At age 15, he entered the Augustinian order in the Italian town of Fiesole, near his native Florence. After eight years of theological training, Vermili underwent priestly ordination and received a doctorate in theology. The years following Vermili's ordination opened new vocational horizons. He was elected to the office of public preacher, an illustrious position in his day. As his name grew famous in the largest Italian cities, Vermili was promoted to the position of abbot in his order's monastery at Spoleto. Before being moved southward to the great basilica San Pietro ad Aram in Naples, it was here that his life changed forever. Righteousness Restored during Vermili's sojourn at San Pietro, which was 1537 to 1540, according to his colleague and biographer Josiah Simler, the greater light of God's truth began to shine upon him. This truth, in Vermili's words, was that Christ's righteousness imputed to us by God totally restores what was lacking in this weak and mutilated righteousness of ours which was from the Peter Martyr reader page 147. It was a good it was a gospel awakening that transformed his life and his ministry with a new vision of Christ and the gospel. Vermilion moved north in May 14, 1541 to become prior of the prestigious monastery of San Frediano in the republic of Lucia, while there, he initiated a series of educational and ecclesiastical reforms that have been likened to Calvin's work in Geneva. But, after a mere 15 months of such gospel renewal, Pope Paul III ensured its demise by reinstituting the Roman Inquisition. Recognizing discretion as the best part of valor, Vermilia renounced his vows and made the difficult decision to flee his homeland. From Strasbourg to Oxford it was Martin Boucher who arranged for Vermili's academic appointment to the College of St. Thomas in Strasbourg. The Italian exile was expected to teach sacred letters, which he proceeded to do from the Old Testament. While in Strasbourg, Vermili also married a former nun from Metz named Catherine de Martin, a lover of true religion, especially admired for her charity. After eight years of marriage, she died in, 15, in February 1553. But Peter Martyr would marry again, another Katie, in May, 1559. Following five fruitful years of teaching in Strasbourg, Vermilius received an invitation in 1547 from, Archbishop, from the Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Cranmer, to fortify the newly independent Church of England with Reformed Theology as Regis Chair of Divinity at Oxford. Among Vermilius's many accomplishments in this period, he lectured on Romans produced various theological treatises, championed Protestantism at the famous Eucharistic Disputation of 1549, and assisted Cranmer in shaping a new Anglican liturgy. With the accession of the Catholic Queen Mary in 1553, Vermili was forced to flee England. Returning to Strasbourg, he was immediately restored to his position at the senior school where in addition to teaching and writing theological works he gathered the with Marian exiles in his home to study and pray eventually he took a post a teaching post at the Acad- academy of zurich despite numerous opportunities to lecture throughout europe including multiple invitations from calvin to teach in geneva and the pastor of the genevan italian congregation vermeil remained in zurich The only exception was his journey to the colloquy of Posse with Theodore Beza in 1561, where he debated Catholic leaders before the French crown and witnessed to Queen Catherine de' Medici in their native Italian teacher of the book. Vermili died in Zurich on November 12, 1562, in the presence of his wife and his friends this Florentine humanist and reformed scholar who was equal in stature to Calvin and Bollinger would be remembered for his commitment to scripture and passion for the gospel re- for gospel renewal. In the words of Theodore Beza, he was a Phoenix born from the ashes of Savonarola. Even the painting of Romili, hanging in the national Port- portrait gallery-, gallery in London testifies to his biblical conviction in it. Vermili's penetrating eyes look to the distance beyond the gilded frame as he points to a singular book in his hand, the Bible. If we were to place an enduring statement on Vermili's lips, it would perhaps be this exhortation: "Let us immerse ourselves constantly in the sacred scriptures. Let us work at reading them, and by the gift of Christ's spirit, the things that are necessary for salvation will be for us clear, direct, and completely open." And that's from Life, Letters, and Sermons, page 281. All right, now let's prepare our hearts and our minds and still them. Get all of the cares and concerns of the world out of your mind and focus on Christ with this scripture from John 17, verse 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And now, with your minds cleared and focused on Christ, let's spend some time in adoration worshiping him for as the son of god with this verse from psalm 112 verse 1 praise the lord how blessed is the man who fears the lord who greatly delights in his commandments Now, hear this prayer of confession and come to God with a contrite heart and confess your sins to him. From This is from the Valley of Vision, a collection of in prayers and devotions. Holy Lord, I have sinned times without number and been guilty of pride and unbelief, of failure to find your mind in your word and of neglect to seek you in my daily life. My transgressions and shortcomings present me with a list of accusations. But I bless you that they will not stand against me for all have been laid on Christ. Go on to subdue my corruptions and grant me grace to live above them. Do not let the passions of the flesh nor the lusts of the mind Bring my spirit into subjection, but rule over me in liberty and in power. Amen. With our hearts and minds right before God, having confessed our sins and spent time worshiping Him, let's go to God in thanksgiving with a heart and an attitude of gratitude to give him thanksgiving for all that he's done with this verse from Psalm 92, verses 1 through 5. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night with the ten-stringed lute and with the harp, with resounding music upon the lyre, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. And a quote from a method of prayer from Matthew Matthew Henry. It is our wisdom and duty to begin each day with God. In the morning we are most free from company and business, So we should give him fresh thanksgivings and fresh meditations on his beauties. In the morning, as we prepare for the work of the day, let us commit it all to God. And now that we've spent time worshiping God and we've meditated on him and we've confessed our sins asked for his forgiveness and reminded ourselves of the truth of his gospel that we are not condemned for our sins but stand righteous before Christ and we've thanked him for that now let's spend some time asking God for what we need asking for the requests and supplications for our lives and for those around us and to begin that hear this quote from The Hidden Life of Prayer by David McIntyre to remind you of how important it is to spend time in prayer. If Jesus needed to pray, how much more do we? Crowds were thronging and pressing him. Great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed of their infirmities, and he had no leisure so much as to eat, but he found time to pray. And this one who sought retirement with so much solitude was the son of God, having no sin to confess, no shortcoming to deplore, no unbelief to subdue, no languor of love to overcome, nor are we to imagine that his prayers were purely were merely peaceful meditations or rapturous acts of communion. They were strenuous and warlike. From that hour in the wilderness, when angels came to minister to the prostrate man of sorrows, on to that awful agony in which his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood, his prayers were sacrifices offered up with strong crying and tears. Now if that was part of the sacred discipline of the incarnate Son, that he should observe frequent seasons of retirement, How much more is it incumbent on us, broken as we are, disabled by manifold sin, to be diligent in the exercise of private prayer? Now pray that God would deal with any unrighteousness in you. Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way within me, and lead me in the everlasting way. And pray for our nation, and for our leaders, that they would surround themselves with godly advisors. For it says in Psalms 11, 14, For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. And pray for your work. Pray for those that are above you, supervisors, bosses, high levels of leadership, middle management. Pray for them to be guided by God and pray that you could be a witness in their life to show them what it means to be a Christian. And pray that your neighbor, one of your neighbors, would repent and believe. Pray that your unsaved neighbor, and name them by name, would repent of their sins and trust in God and Christ as Lord and Savior. In Romans 1, 18 through 21, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them for God made it evident to them for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse for even though they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were darkened professing to be wise they became fuel, fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible god for an image in the form of corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures and then it says in john verses three, thir- verse three chapter three verse 36 that he who believes in the son has eternal life But he who does not believe or does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And in the same way, pray that that your friends will hear the gospel. Pray for one of your unsaved friends by name and that they might hear the gospel. In Romans 10 verses 13 and 14, it says, For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him of whom they have not heard? So now pray that they will hear that and hear the gospel so they can believe. And pray for your church, that the members of your church would love one another. Like it says in John 13 13, verses 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And finally, pray that you and your spouse might pray together daily. Like it says in Amos 3, verse 3, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? All right, and now together let's say the Lord's prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen.